1: And there's always going to be, you know, lulls in the game, and you know that's one of the things that that we know he's capable of doing. I I think he picked his spots too, Um, and guys did a good job of finding them. And um, he's capable of, you know, I I think he did that in the Clipper game as well, in a a different way. But um, you know, that's something that 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 he brings. There you go. That's Quinn Snyder talking about the game, talking about. Jordan Clarkson in specific last night as the Jazz pull away in the second half to run away from the Detroit Pistons, 104-81. to Donovan Mitchell again playing so well. and It's really just an average game for him when you think about it, 23 points. Clarkson 20 off the bench. getting A little bit of a sample there. So far, I thought the trade was good right from the start. If for no other reason than obviously Exum was giving you nothing. And Clarkson, I watch him play with the Lakers. I did not watch him play that much with the Cavs when he's over in the East. But with the Lakers, I watched him play a lot. They didn't have a great team at that time, but I thought he was a player. He looked like he had some skill. Sure enough, he's fitting in well. He's giving them what they need off the bench. Mitchell doing his thing. Gobert, of course, and Joe Ingles filling up the stat sheet the way he does. So the Jazz moved to 21 and 12, I should say. 21 and 12 now. And they embark on a three-game road trip coming up here with uh, who they got they got i just looked it up now i forgot again let me look it up here again I'm, I'm with you stay with me chicago kicks it off pk and then they- yeah chicago orlando, orlando and then the pelicans new orleans yep yeah they play the pelicans so that was tuesday saturday or thursday saturday and then monday and then they come home for a couple of games and then they play another three-game trip but then none of these teams in the next two weeks look like they're world beaters i mean only brooklyn is at 500 so jazz opportunity have an opportunity to make their move you know they're just a couple of games out of being in third place we see what they can do Excited for this opportunity going forward here. They got to take advantage of it. got to cash in. Just because you're playing bad teams doesn't mean you're going to beat those teams. But so far, so good as far as that goes. And they will go into the new year with a lot of momentum. So, my good friends, hats off to the Jazz. And here's to a great 2020. I'm just going to give them a toast right now. y'all. raise your glass, bump mine even though you're in Salt Lake and I'm in San Antonio, we're doing it metaphorically. We'll give the jazz a toast and wish them well into the new year. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. That's your jazz report right here on 97.5. Totally the zone. Hashtag NBA. The NBA. By the way, DJ is flying to San Antonio as we speak. He's not here. I'm PK. I am high above the Twenty on the 28th floor of the Marriott, I can look out and see the sun r- rose here about 20 minutes ago. Exciting time! We got some NBA for you. The Bucks won their 30th game of the season. They're 30 and five. They blow out the Bulls. The Jazz next opponent, Antetokounmpo, with 23 and 10. Talking about how he needs to improve. Yeah. Well, he's really dangerous as it is, so we'll see if he can prove. I thought that the most telling game of last night, there wasn't that many. I think there was only like five games, counting the Jazz, six games. The Suns, down 19. They get eight, uh, eight and back. I think it was suspended, and then he sprained his ankle. And so then he was out again. Now he's back, and they beat Portland in Portland 122 to 116. The Blazers, man. Not looking good. Devin Booker had 33 points. Maybe the Suns can get a run going. they won two in a row. I think they had lost eight in a row prior to that. Ricky Rubio playing great. Another double-double. Hats off to that kid, man. He's playing good ball in Phoenix. Exactly what they needed. They didn't have anybody to play his position. And he comes in there. So anything he was going to give them was going to be better than what they've had the last few years. So he is playing well. I think we all enjoyed him as far as that goes. Well, the Wizards beat the Heat. That was a little bit of a surprise there because the Heat have been doing well. And the Wizards are not doing well. Uh, Patrick uh, Beverly of the Clippers expected to miss a few games His a sprain right wrist. He got injured, obviously, in the loss to the Jazz on Saturday night. Tonight, we've got a schedule in the NBA. New Year's Eve. You have an opportunity. The Nuggets and the Rockets at 5 o'clock on NBA TV. Uh, Mavericks and Thunder and the Jazz are right behind the Mavericks. There you go. That's your NBA on 975-1280 the zone.
0: Hashtag college basketball.
1: All right, uh, Weaver in their first big sky win. They hold on to barely slip by. You can't hold on any, any more narrow. 69 to 68 over Idaho. Cody John with 18 points in that victory. And what do we got? Southern Utah, 8-4, and 1-0 in the big sky. They beat Portland State. Some guy whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce. Yock, Cameron got it. Cameron Aloyaton. <laughs> 24 points to lead my Thunderbirds. Your Thunderbirds, and, okay. Oh, well, I went to Thunderbird High School. Is that close enough? That works, yeah. We can do it with that. <laughs> Conference play. I just spoke about it in the big sky. It is getting underway. Tomorrow, we've got Utah State going down to Vegas playing. And then uh, Utah, who they got? They got Oregon or Oregon State? Oregon State Thursday night. Yeah. So that's uh, tomorrow. The Mountain West with the Aggies being the favorite. Then Now, the way that the work, to Scotty told me this, that the – Mountain West has already played a couple of games. These are 2-0 and oh because the Thomas and Mac is being used in March, so they're moving everything up. The conference tournament for the Mountain West will be the same week that the West Coast does theirs. They always do it a few days earlier than everybody else at the Orleans Arena. So it is continuing Mountain West play since they already played a couple of games. And in Utah State's case, Vegas has only played one. Vegas only six and eight. So that game tomorrow night, uh, CBS Sports Network. And then the Pac-12 hasn't played conference games. They start this weekend and then will continue for the next two months. You can catch the Aggie pregame show tomorrow night at 830 right here on the Zone Sports Network. And we uh, already told you about the Utes. So let's move on to some college football. Hashtag Utah. All right, there you go, man. The bowl game gets off, gets on today, I should say. 5.30 p.m. your time. 6.30 if you're down here in Texas like I am. The Valero Alamo Bowl. Obviously, we know it's the Utes versus Texas. asked Kyle yesterday at the press conference. You go on our website if you want to hear it. It Said, hey, opportunity to finish in the top 10, right? Because they're at 11th if they win somebody else is going to lose, and they can move in the top 10. Hasn't been done. I think he said it's been done twice. You youth fans who know all that stuff, DJ would know it, but I don't keep up with that stuff. Uh, I think they've only had a couple of top 10 finishes, if I remember correctly, what he was saying yesterday. So, you got this opportunity, and then you look at Texas, you know, 7-5, and but you look at their losses. Oklahoma, LSU, those are one scores. Uh, Iowa State was ranked. Baylor was ranked. So those are some pretty impressive losses. or well, not impressive losses, but impressive teams. TCU was the one loss that was out there that I can't really explain. But talking about how this could be a springboard, looking in the paper this morning in here, in San Antonio, a springboard to 2020. We shall see. I think it's important for the Utes to get a win. We'll be talking about that this morning. we got Kyle Gunther former you joining us here at the bottom of this half hour so stay with us and we'll get to that and the pregame coverage that we'll have at the zone on the zone it will begin tonight at 4:30. hashtag college football college football we had some bowl games yesterday did you watch any no, I watched a little bit of Virginia and Florida. Florida, you got a Utah connection there. Mullen at Florida, obviously used to be with Urban Meyer way back when at Utah. And then, of course, Bronco with Virginia. And the Gators get that win, 36-28. It was a fun game. I need some scoring in my bowl games. I don't need a big defensive struggle. I was impressed with
2: Virginia did in that game. They, they battled.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they got behind right off the bat. Yeah, a 61-yard and, touchdown right off the get-go. Yeah. And so they hung in there. They got a score. They needed a stop about midway through the fourth quarter, and they couldn't get it. And that extended the lead uh, to what was it? Uh, I think it was like uh, it was like 11 points. Correct. But uh, yeah. they couldn't couldn't seal the deal. They finished the season with two consecutive losses. I assume they'll fall out of the rankings. But I think if you're and Bronco in his fourth season. He's made some progress from where they were just four years ago. Uh, Maybe not as quick as the progress that he made at BYU because by his fourth season, he was rolling out 11-2s. and And so Virginia's not in that situation. You can argue that they're tougher schedule. I'm not sure I'd buy that. But anyway, they had a nice season. Give them something to build on. A couple other bowl games yesterday. Vot Tech and can Well, that's today. Uh, Tech in Kentucky. I, I was watching, uh, just barely paying attention to some of the other games. Western Kentucky and Western Michigan. Western Kentucky won. And then Louisville sort of had that on, too. Wasn't really paying that much. I was just walking around the Riverwalk yesterday. Loads of Ute fans, obviously, all over the place. We'll see how many people they have. Today's games, Wyoming plays in the Arizona Bowl. Against uh, Georgia State, and then some Pac-12 football. You got ASU and Florida State in the Sun Bowl, which is noon your time on CBS. If you're interested, right, that's your college football right here on 97.5, 1280 in the zone.
0: Hashtag NFL with another quarterback.
1: Oh yeah, we can win with this one. We can win. We can definitely win with another one too. Because we're gonna have a defense. That's Bruce Arians uh, going after Jameis Winston, or is he just saying, Yeah, we'll have a defense. So no matter who we have at quarterback, or is he pumping up the defense, or is he sliding Winston, who threw the 30 interceptions and 30 touchdowns? Uh, We'll see what the Buccaneers do. The Cowboys, and I'm looking at in this morning's paper down here. In uh, San Antonio, Yeah, Jason Garrett hasn't been fired, but it's a done deal. But the assistant coaches have been told they're all fired. It's supposed to have a second meeting today. They met briefly yesterday. Seems like it's going to happen. And they will move on from that staff and have an opportunity to reload there. As you'd have to say, they underachieved. I guess they did. I'm not sure... Their talent is all that good. Even if they got in the playoff, I don't know that they would have done anything, but obviously it's the playoffs or bust for Dallas. Uh, Let's see. Eli Manning talking about how he'll be a starter. He doesn't want to be a backup if he decides to continue playing at age 39. Backing up is not real fun, he said. I would think he's done at 39. Uh, He hasn't shown the ability to maybe play well later on the way Drew Brees has. Drew Brees up for potentially MVP. I don't think he'll get it, but I mean, he certainly should be in the mix. Maybe he would have gotten it if he didn't miss those games that he missed and Bridgewater came in. But we know he's been playing well. Brady slipped a little bit. it be interesting to see if this is the beginning of the decline for Brady and he's 42. But Eli hasn't been to that level whatsoever. So I'd imagine that he would step aside Seattle Seahawks losing, starting a linebacker, Michael Kendrick's torn ACL. Now, yuck does that open up time for Cody Barton? Because I was it watching him. Yeah. It should. Co- Cody was in there. Uh, uh, I watched Seattle play a number of times I went to one of their games this year When the Utes played up at Washington And Cody was basically playing special teams I think he's number 57
2: Yeah, so we could Uh, could see Three starting players Three starting defensive players for the Seahawks In the playoffs from the three different schools here in state That'd be kind of the fun thing about it You'd have Bobby Wagner from Utah State Ziggy Ansaw from BYU And Cody Barton potentially from the University of Utah
1: yeah, and Blair has been playing a fair amount also.
2: Marquise Blair probably starts um, as well. We'll see what yeah. happens with that. If the quadri yeah. digs back, that may put him on the bench.
1: Right. He uh, see, He has been playing not just exclusively special teams. He's been playing a fair amount as far as that goes. All right, that is What's Trending. We got a lot of stuff coming up for you today. As we get ready for the big bowl game, as I said, at 730, we got former Utah offensive lineman Kyle Gunther. And then at 830, we're going to talk to our jazz studio analyst, Tim Lacombe, get the jazz where they've won eight of nine. Things are going well. I think Clarkson's given them the shot in the arm that they needed as far as some offensive punch off the bench. Hats off to Zanuck and Lindsay. I thought it was an excellent trade. So far, the trade is better than it's working out better than I thought. I thought it was a good trade at the start, but I think certainly now it's better than I anticipated. We'll see if that continues. So we'll talk to Tim at 830, then at 905, a couple more guests in 9 o'clock hour. Chris Camerani, who is down here in San Antonio, talked to him yesterday, and then we've got a, a newbie, Sarah Todd, Utah Jazz writer for the Deseret News, and... Talked to Dirk Facer. We went out to dinner last night. We had yach what we called the last supper last night. You know what that means?
2: I I, I think I get you're saying. Was Kurt with you guys?
1: Yes, Kurt Craigthorpe. And Kyle paid a nice little tribute to him at the beginning of his press conference yesterday. Yeah. And so last night we went out and we called it the last supper. As Kurt, man, it's amazing. He hired me 27 years ago today. Not today. What, I don't know why I said today. So, it was December 31st, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. It was in June. It was in okay. June. I don't know why. I, just, I got rolling there. That's yeah, okay.
2: But yeah, I, Last Supper with Kurt Craig before he sells off into the sunset after tonight's game, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, that's just... I don't want to overdo it and exaggerate and act like it's a death in the family because obviously he's not dying. But to not have Kurt around in the business anymore, when he was, guy, he was the sports editor of the Tribune at the time, he literally was the one who hired me came out to the airport and offered me the job after I came up and did an interview with them for a couple of days. And so to see him step aside. So anyway, Kurt uh, Dirk was telling me about Sarah Todd and her background. So we'll hit her up for some jazz info, get to know her a little bit. Stay with us. We got all that planned right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
0: is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Donovan freaking Mitchell Hmm. is just so good. This is his third season, everybody. And look what he is doing right now. If you are not coming to Utah Jazz games and you have the ability to, you're missing out. And if you're unable to go to the games while you're watching and or listening, just take a moment and appreciate what is happening with young Donovan Mitchell right now because it is greatness. And
2: when the money's on the table, he's playing exceptionally well more times than not. Clutch situations? This team is dang good. This year's team has some things they're trying to get, you know, fixed and worked out. And they're, what, 20 and 12? That's a dang good place to be while you're far from being at your absolute best.
0: Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280, The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in,
1: 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Approaching 7.30 on this last day of 2020. 2019. Well, I always look ahead, man. Prepare for
2: the future. You're a year ahead. Okay, got it.
1: (laughs) If you're a year ahead, then you're never late.
2: That's a good point. Thanks, Tom Coughlin.
1: (laughs) All right. Obviously, I'm at 2019, the last day of 2019. I am PK. I am coming to you from San Antonio, Texas. It's a beautiful day. I don't know how the weather is in Salt Lake right now. I'm not there, but my side of the country, it is gorgeous out. The sun is shining, expecting to be a beautiful day in the low 60s. I've decided the only thing I care about in bowl games Unless it's the big ones, then the weather doesn't matter. You know, the Rose Bowl, which is usually pretty good anyway, or the playoff, or maybe one of these New Year's Six Bowls. But the rest of the bowls, my number one requirement, you know what my number one requirement is? It is warmth. And if I got warmth, I am good to go. And I had warmth yesterday. A lot of fun just walking around the Riverwalk. Saw a bunch of fans Spoke to them. They're excited for the game. Texas is a big-name program. Obviously, Utes are a better program, not quite as big a name as Texas. Very few programs are as big a name as Texas, for that matter. So it's a great opportunity to win, to get the 12th win of the season. And I've got great news for my Ute fans. The San Antonio News Express, which I'm holding in my hand because it was free down in the lobby, and I picked it up this morning when I went for breakfast. (laughs) They have a prediction, and it says the Longhorns will fall in a bowl game for the first time in three appearances under coach Tom Herman and finish the year seven and six. So there you go. The local folk. Expecting the Utes to move to 12 and 2. I put up on Facebook, you know, how do you judge this season if the Utes win? How do you judge this season if the Utes lose? You can go ahead and respond. I'll uh, unlock my Twitter, PK PKKinan, for this morning. You need to log on to Twitter to check that out. If you got any response, if they win 12 and 2, yeah, I don't think you kick back a 12 and 2 season at all. Most likely a top 10 ranking that's a pretty good position to be in. You know, obviously with the two losses, SC loss, eh, so be it. The Oregon loss was a bad loss. And now you have an opportunity to wipe that out and finish on that good note as everybody wants them to do for Utah. You know, if you lose eh, a little bit of a downer, 11 and three, I don't think that it is a bad season by any stretch, but obviously it would not be as good. So, you would look at it and say, oh, man, that sure ended on a downer. So November came later for the Utes because obviously they've had that bugaboo in the month of November. Thought we got past that, and they have gotten past that for that matter. I mean, they were undefeated this November, beating all – they have five games or – how many games they have? One, two, three, four. They had four because they had a bye in November after that Washington win. They had to buy that next week. So with that in mind, I have to say that they put that to rest as far as them fading in November. But then you would have December. December would be the new November, right? If they lose the last two games, because both of those games would have been played in December. December 6th was the Utah game. And then obviously today, the 31st, did I say the Utah game? I meant the Colorado or the Oregon game, I should say. And then Texas. So I think they'll win. I mean, they're favored by seven. Uh, Longhorn's talking about how they got the, they got some health back that they haven't had. They uh, had some guys injured. One of their receivers and their tight end supposed to be back, and those guys have been in and out of the lineup. And Ellinger, the quarterback, you know, he can throw the ball. He can fling it around a little bit. Not much of a running game there. And usually, if you're one-dimensional, that helps Utah. They like the teams that are one-dimensional – So we'll see how that goes. If they have success, yeah, they're expected to have senior wideout, Colin Johnson, he's a big receiver, and then junior tight end, Cade Brewer. Both of those guys are expected to play. And just listening to Tom Herman talk, he's saying, that's the coach, he's saying that they will be as healthy as they've been in a while. Now, they do have a couple of new coordinators. They demoted the uh, offensive guy, fired the defensive guy, I think that shakes it up a little bit. I always look at that when we go into bowl games, who is healthy, who's playing, and then what has gone on with the coaching staff. And the Utes, they have not made any changes to their coaching staff. Talking to people down here yesterday in San Antonio, uh, the local media folk were saying that Herman made a strong run at Morgan Scally or at least was interested in making a strong run. Maybe it didn't get to that level. I'm not sure on that, but that he was very much interested in Morgan Scally to be the defensive coordinator because they made that change there at Texas. And then I also heard, you know, about UNLV, potentially the head coaching job there. And that's when Utah stepped in and made the contract amendment, And then talking to some other people involved in Utah's program since I've been down here, the thought process is that if Utah continues to play well, that Morgan will be the next coach at the University of Utah in the next uh, few years whenever Kyle decides that he's had enough and wants to go into his 10-year deal. We shall see about that, how that plays out. But Tom Herman was definitely interested in Morgan because he's a good defensive coordinator, a great people person, and also has developed an outstanding reputation as far as being a recruiter in this very state of Texas. As we know that Morgan recruits heavily in the Houston area where he's talked about how in a two-hour radius of any which of the four directions that you can go geographically, they have more schools and more players than the, the entire state of Utah, which makes sense given the population. And Morgan has done a great job. I think the Utah have 11 guys from Texas on their team. I think that's the uh, last time I looked, 11 guys. And they're making good contributions. Obviously, Keithy as a tight end from Katy, Texas. And they have a story in the local paper here that uh, Keithy and he had spoken about this, how he wanted to go to Texas, but Texas wasn't interested in recruiting him. Somebody who we do know that desperately wanted to go to Utah his whole life and came to Utah because he wanted to be a Ute is Kyle Gunther. And Kyle joins us this morning. Kyle, how the heck are
3: you? PK, how are you? It's
1: game day. It is game day, man. After all these years, you it still get your blood going?
3: Well, you can tell. There's uh, there's something different in the air. And that's the beauty about football is that you only get 12 guaranteed opportunities to play. And you look at these two teams now. I mean, the youth's got an extra game already because they played in the championship game. And as a player, you understand that everything you do in the off season all those times that you've vomited before 7 a.m. because of your workout, all the times that you've been bleeding while you're in class, all those times you wake up and you're sticking to the bed sheets because you've got three different cuts on your elbows or whatever, your foot's bleeding when you get up, all of that is for game day. And I heard you talking about the young man from Katy, Texas, uh, Brant Keefe, for example. You know, anybody from Texas, I mean, this is the Super Bowl. You're you're absolutely right that every one of these guys wanted to go to Texas. They feel snubbed. This is an opportunity to put their own product out there. But bowl games mean a lot. You have a lot of extra time to prepare, which means you've got a little extra time to get in your own head. But, yeah, that's the beauty of football is you don't get to play it year-round. You don't get to play it your whole life. Football leaves you. Football's undefeated. It leaves every single person who's ever played it. Most people are done playing before they're 21. So. Yeah, when when you get an opportunity to strap on that tin strap, man, you you realize that it's uh, it's it's a meaningful event.
1: Kyle Gunther coming to us on the Sprint special guest line. least any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tad for ninety nine ninety nine to visit the Sprint store nearest you. Kyle, how did you approach bowl games? It wasn't I don't I don't remember when you were playing if guys sat out like we're seeing now. The Sun Devils are playing today, my Sun Devils, and they got their two best offensive guys who are uh – uh not going to play. One, you know, Benjamin's a junior, and the other, Ayuk, is a senior, but they both want to get ready for the draft, so they're not going to play in the bowl game. The Utes, we know Jalen Johnson, is not going to play as far as being eligible. A couple of the guys in the defensive backfield, Hubert and Blackman, are injured. But I don't remember when you were there if that was something that was going on at the time, but what was your approach as far as the bowl games
3: went? Well, I I think most people... Uh, feel the same way you do, PK, and that they don't remember when when I was at Utah. But uh, yeah, this this whole trend of sitting out bowl games is is a relatively new one. I believe Christian McCaffrey, Ed's son, was the first college player to do this, and I want to say, what was that 2010, I don't know, 2012, somewhere in that range, maybe just a few years ago. Uh, maybe a little after that, but he said, uh, I'm going to skip the bowl game because I've been banged up and I'm going to get ready for the NFL. And every other college player said, hmm, wait a minute, I still get my scholarship check, right? And as long as I'm practicing up until basically the the week or so before, I'm still going to get my bowl gifts. But for the guys who are on that elite edge of being able to play professionally at the next level, uh, it it does make sense for some of them. It makes perfect sense for Jalen Johnson. He didn't have his best game against Oregon, but he's had an incredible career. Jalen Johnson has arguably the best recruit that the Utes have ever landed. He was a four-star kid from out of state. He showed up. He started for three straight years. He got his degree in three years. He's a well-spoken, wonderful young man, and he might be a first-round draft pick. The Utes would love to have a guy like that each and every year do that. Now, you're getting on shaky ground when you've got guys who are told they might be a fifth-round pick. And they sit out the bowl game because you know some agent says, "Okay, if you sit out now, you can sign with me, and I'll front you some money." It's not as much of a concern for a school like Utah. It's more of a concern for a school like Clemson or Bama because when you decide that your career is done, then you can sign with an agent. You can't sign with an agent before then. So. These guys are doing this because the agents, you know, if they know you're going to get a $10 million signing bonus, what's the harm in the agent loaning you $100,000, a low-interest loan? And all of a sudden, you're 21 years old, and you go, yeah, instead of having $4, I'd like to have hundred grand right now. Mom needs to pay rent or whatever it is. So that's why a lot of these guys do this. I know it, it gets easy to paint them in this light of being, oh, they're selfish. No, I mean, a lot of these kids come from horrific backgrounds. Uh, I played with guys who told us they had to do their homework at the local McDonald's because they didn't have electricity. So there are just backgrounds that, that the average person cannot even comprehend. And some of these guys, when they get to this point, they say, I need 50 grand. I've got to have it right now so that you know, my parents don't lose their home or something like that. So that's the practicality aspect of it. But no, guys didn't do that because also we were a Mountain West team. And in the Mountain West, everybody knew we were playing for the love of the game. And uh, and so it wasn't even a consideration back 40 years ago
1: when I played. Kyle Gunther joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. We look at uh, Texas. Uh, Ellinger looks like he's a potential pro. Herman said yesterday that he believes that the kid is going to come back. Uh, next year to play. So we'll see how that works out. But anyway, for now, he can throw the ball around a little bit. And uh, Duvernay's uh, had all sorts of stats 103 catches. He's a slot guy. Colin Johnson's a bigger dude, and he's missed some games. Their tight end has missed some games, but the tight end and Johnson are supposed to be back in this game. We know you just spoke about Jalen Johnson. We just mentioned how. Blackman and Hubert are not going to be there. What's your concern level about Utah being able to defend the pass?
3: Well, it it is high because of what you saw in the last game. Justin Herbert had a lot of success throwing the ball, making some really precise throws against this Utah secondary. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. First and foremost, Justin Herbert is a very talented quarterback. He's better than Sam Ellinger. Now, Ellinger is very unique. I think he's a poor man's Colt McCoy. He can run, and Texas is not afraid to run him around, but they also run a lot of five-receiver sets. and He can make aggressive throws to the sideline. Texas can make aggressive throws over the middle. You mentioned DuVernay. He has more catches than Utah's receivers the last two years combined. Practically. And I mean receivers. Put aside the tight ends, Utah's receivers the last two years, I don't believe, have 103 catches. So It just shows to go yet that When you've got a guy who can get open, it can really change your offense. And there was a couple of things that stood out from Utah's performance against Oregon. Uh, In no particular order, Utah's receivers were not getting open. Tyler Huntley was holding the ball way too long. Tyler Huntley, I don't know what he was seeing. I don't know why he decided to not just make some of these throws. You know, he's on a three-step drop, and he's planting his back foot, and then halfway through his throwing motion, he's not throwing the ball, and then it's like, well, I wonder why the pressure came. A three-step drop is designed to have the ball thrown in three steps. If the quarterback holds the ball beyond that, he will get cleaned. It's very clear. Everybody knows it. So that was upsetting. Uh, if you're a Utah fan, Utah's offensive line didn't play well at times. And I'm going back and re-watching these clips. It wasn't like Oregon was stacking the box constantly. No, a lot of times on third down, the Utes would have their 5-0 linemen and they would keep Zach Moss in on third down to to pass block, which means you got six pass protectors. Oregon was only rushing six. They'd have five down guys, maybe one linebacker. They'd bring pressure. If you have six blockers and you can't block six defenders, well, you're going to get beat. And that's what happened to the Utes. So the concern for Utah is more so about what they can do offensively. If they have a slow first drive, if they get down in this game, I'm not confident that the Utes can not only uh, hold off Texas' offense, but also can the Utes throw themselves back into this game for a victory. Now, I don't think Texas' secondary is all that elite this year. I think the Utes uh, can find some success through the air early on. But the Utes will win this game if Zach Moss gets rolling, if he has 150-some-odd yards. And I think Zach Moss is one of the more motivated guys on earth. I think he's going to have a huge game. I think Andy Ludwig realizes that that is the big key to victory, and they didn't get away from the throw game. Uh, I'm sorry. They didn't get away from Zach Moss against Oregon. I mean, they were certainly trying to feed him the ball, but I think in three possessions, the Utes were down three scores. I mean, it felt like you're down 20 to nothing. It's hard to run that ISO inside dive play every single first down, and then the Utes tried to run play action, and uh, Huntley was was just a step off against Oregon, so uh, you know, to, to bring this thing back you know, to the concern level, it's, uh, I'm, I'm more concerned about if Utah's offense sputters because Tyler Hunt is holding the ball too long. That's going to be the issue. Utah's D-line can make up for the lack of corners. Utah's D-line is very good. They're going to make Ellinger throw the ball earlier than he wants to. But I can see this being a little bit of a shootout early on in the first half before the Utes buckle down. I think you'll see a little bit of a slower second half. But, yeah, I think early on you could see, uh, you could see both teams try to test each other offensively.
1: So, Kyle, I want to make sure I understand this because, as you know, I didn't play the game. A three-step drop is designed for you to drop three steps and throw the ball.
3: And if you don't, what, there, it's completely on you, the quarterback. Okay, so a three-step drop you know, versus a five- or a seven-step, if you're going to throw the ball very deep, okay, the quarterback usually has to hang in the pocket for an extra half second because the receiver needs time to get open. Well, when you do that, you design your protection scheme that way. The offensive line will drop in a certain way because you are aware you've got a pass block for five seconds. Now, if it's a three-step drop, essentially you're throwing a slant or an in route, you're throwing a quick-hitting route, well, a lot of times the O-line will change their technique. And you basically punch a guy in the gut, and you wait for the ball to go over your head, and that's it. Or you chop block, or you do something. But when the quarterback drops back one, two, three, plants his foot, and is supposed to throw it, and he doesn't, I mean, the coaches will scream at you in practice. They'll tell you, you are going to get hurt badly. You are going to get hit. Uh, and when a quarterback does that, every single time they do that, it's because they're trying to make a play. They're tr- not to be selfish, they're trying to help their team win. And everybody's got a game plan until you get sweat in your eye and you can hear a defensive end barking and you're caught up in the passion of the moment. And Tyler Huntley, he, this is his favorite phrase, he says, I'm just here to make plays. I just want to make plays. And after he plants that back foot, when he doesn't have the confidence because he's not seeing guys open enough, he tries to take off and scramble, and you just can't do it every play. You can't scramble right up the middle and expect, oh, I'll just slip past this nose guard. So, no, it's not because he's being selfish or he doesn't know the offense. It's because Tyler Huntley wants to win so bad. But as a teammate, you've got to tell him, do your job. If you're supposed to throw the ball to a tight end over the middle and he's not open, then throw him open. Throw the ball just outside of his reach then, so he has to dive for it or whatever. But that's what separates the great quarterbacks from, from everyone else, is that when your guy is not open, can you throw him open? Or at least throw the ball out of bounds. But the last thing you want to do is just tuck the ball and try to run out of there. And, and you know Huntley, he's done that for his whole career now. But, again, it's not because he's selfish. It's because he, he wants to try to make a play. But if you do that three times on third down, that means you've lost – three possessions and you've taken three sacks and the other team has gone up 20 to nothing. And that's what happened with Oregon. And so it seems like it's only three times. It's only, you know, okay, two times, maybe he tucked the ball when he shouldn't have. Well, that ends three drives and all of a sudden you're down and you can't run the ball anymore because you're down 20 to nothing. So that's kind of the practicality of it. When you're facing a good offense, for example, like Oregon, if you screw up two drives or three drives, you're down three scores. Got it.
1: All right. So I want you to evaluate the season if they win and then evaluate the season if they lose.
3: You won 11 games. Utah fans have got to be happy with 11 wins. I mean, I guess I'm never going to tell a fan what to think. Fan is short for fanatic, and you can want whatever you want. It does feel like, based on where the Utes were, I mean, they they really should have. It's a, a dangerous word, but they should have beat USC. They had the ball twice as much as they did. Uh, you gave up just a couple of weird plays. I mean, the Utes really could have gone 12-0 and in the regular season. Now, you can't win 11 games and have it be a bad season, but it also feels like this team could have easily done what Oklahoma did. I mean, un- unfortunately, you saw Oklahoma just get smashed against LSU, and-, and Utah probably would have, too, but Utah was a playoff-caliber team, and that has happened once in the last decade or so, because I think that '09 9 team, the Sugar Bowl team, was about in that same category. Basically, once about every 10 years, the stars align, and you have a team that's good enough to make a run like that. With a program like Utah, not every school, but with a guy as good as Whittingham at the helm about once every 10 years or so, you can get yourself into this position of national prominence. I mean, you didn't do it. So, as a football fan, I'm sure there are guys who said, wait a minute, I, I had my ticket booked. I wanted to go to the, uh, was that the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, or I'm sorry, wh- whichever game LSU and, and Oklahoma played in. You know, that's the game that you had your sights set on. You, know, you, you thought that you could make the playoffs, but this team won 11 games. There's going to be eight draft picks. I think the Utes announced they've had uh, the highest graduation rate yet again. They got another big four-star, a couple of four-star recruits this year in recruiting. Utah's program is extremely healthy. But last year you lost a championship game in your bowl game. It put a really sour taste in your mouth. This year you don't want to end on two straight losses. Losing the bowl game is tough. I don't know because we won all five games, uh, all five of our bowl games when I played at Utah. But I would imagine you lose a bowl game. That bothers you through January. That bothers you through February and, and March. You start spring ball and The coaches are saying, hey, we got to correct these awful mistakes we made in the bowl game. So the bowl game, win or lose, it has lasting effects for the next generation, for the, you know, the, the juniors and the sophomores. But, man, I feel bad for the seniors, because you go out, and let's say you don't play in the NFL, like most of these guys, you know, half the class won't. Well, all of a sudden, you lose your last game, and you, you don't forget about that. I mean, your, your football career has a bit of a sour end to it, so that's no fun.
1: All right, Kyle. Well, thanks for joining us. I've got one mission for you, and that is to make sure uh, tomorrow morning at this time you are awake and of clear mind. Do you understand that?
3: I got kids, PK. I don't think I can stay up past uh, 9.30. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, maybe I'll be up uh, banging some pots and pans at 9 or 10. But, no, I have not stayed up past midnight since I was in college. No, so (laughs) you have no worries with me. All right. Thanks for joining us.
1: Appreciate it. All right, that's Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman, captain of some pretty good teams, never lost a bowl game. All right, what do you think, man? Next segment, if they win, what does this season mean? If they lose, does it spoil the season? We'll get to some of your reaction next on 97.5, 1280, The Zone.
0: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Thanks for joining us on this New Year's Eve morning. DJ and PK, I'm PK, coming to you from the 28th floor of the Marriott right next to the Riverwalk in San Antonio, Texas. DJ is literally, he's higher than me because he is flying to San Antonio. He'll have all the coverage for Channel 2 and the Zone Sports Network. We're off tomorrow, but we'll be joining you again on Thursday morning to break it down at this ball game between the Texas Longhorns and the University of Utah Utes as they seek to go 12-2. Now, what happens if they win 12-2, top 10 ranking? It's not what everybody wants, but man, it is really good. And you've established yourself. You've got some separation from your competitors in the South. If you do that, I mean, you could argue you still have it either way. But the Bulls, they lose. 11-3, and close the season with two losses. Does November, the old bugaboo in November, does it become now, well, December, because they lost last year twice in December, right? Lost to Washington in the Pac-12 title game, and then lost to Northwestern down there in San Diego. And now here we are in San Antonio against Texas, who's 7-5. and five. What do you think? If they lose, does it put a downer on the season, man, if they win 12-2? I don't know that I would say December's a big slumping month for them. December's the new November. But if they lose, that would be 0-4 in the last two Decembers. I put that question up on Facebook. You go to our DJ and PK page. You can comment through phone or te- uh, tweet. No, I guess you can't do. Yeah, you can do tweets. We don't have the text line anymore, but you can do tweets. Uh, Rick, Here's what he says, You had a great year, but I think the season will be remembered as a disappointment. I don't see any other way to look at it, especially knowing the playoff spot was theirs if they had shown up versus Oregon. Yeah, that's true. It does look like they would have been in the playoff. I don't know that they would have done any worse than what Oklahoma did against LSU, but I think that was more about LSU as opposed to Oklahoma. And then Rick says, if not the playoff spot, a Pac 12 Championship and Rolls Bowl would have been a great consolation prize. It certainly would have been an excellent consolation prize. Yeah. I would much rather be in Pasadena right now. Nothing against San Antonio because it's beautiful. It was beautiful yesterday. The river walk was packed, the little ferry rides through the river were just going. Lines were, gosh, two, 300 people deep. I saw some of the Whittingham family last night at about 8.39 o'clock getting ready to jump on one of those boat rides that they have, take you through at Christmas decorations and everything. So it certainly was nice. I saw Mark Harlan and one of his assistants walking around. Spoke to him briefly. So, yeah, it's a good place to be. Weather's good. It's supposed to rain tomorrow, but everybody will be going home tomorrow. Right now, sun's up. It's gorgeous. Still would have preferred Pasadena, though. The Rose Bowl would have been something special. You didn't get it. But with that in mind, if they lose, is Rick right? I will consider this a disappointment. This season will be remembered as a disappointment. Man, disappointment is harsh. Cliff, it's a good season, but could have been great. Still 11 wins is good. Elmer Bowl is a nice payout and a chance for 12 wins. Yeah, I think they get 12 wins. And then really, in my mind, they would have only had one stinker. Now it came at the worst time, obviously, in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, and that stinks. There's no other way around that, but 12 and two top 10 ranking. That's excellent. A lot of money's to be made. A lot of momentum generated going into the next season. And the program is, we just had Kyle Gunther on former Ute. The program is a very, very healthy. I think you can, in fact, I think you'd have to work to argue against that because it would be so obvious. Dan, Maybe they weren't that good if they lose, which is why they're in a crappy, insignificant bowl game like all the other teams from Utah, mostly forgettable. Okay, there's something to be said for that, man. I mean, we've seen now Utah State and BYU lose. Now we want to see if, B- if Utah can win because the other two teams – Laid eggs, didn't get the job done by any stretch. It was very, very disappointing, particularly BYU's game. If I was, a Ute fan, I was a Cougar fan, that would still bother me. Still bother me right now, a week later. Jonathan, that's not the game the Utes will remember forever. Though that does beg the question, who would have lost by more to LSU, the Aggies or the Utes in the playoff if they make it? Well, we'll never know about that. If they win, Kyle says, great season, that couldn't win the big game. If they lose, great season that fell apart at the end. Okay. That's a little on the harsh side, but it's probably accurate, wouldn't you say? I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Uh, Tim, great season that brought attention to the Pac-12. Yeah, the Utes were the story. Well, Oregon was the story too, but then once Oregon lost to the Devils, on the next to the last week of the season. Then it became all about Utah. So there's something to be said for that. They did bring attention to the conference. Unlike last year, you know, we went into the conference title game between Washington and Utah with nobody having any hope to get into the playoff. The Utes had that hope right up there until about uh, midway through the third quarter. And then it became obviously they were going to lose. James says... It's a season just like 2010. No matter what happens in the bowl, nobody will talk or remember this season. Really? Nobody? No matter what happens in this game, nobody will talk or remember this season. James, that's got to be a cougar, right? Although he's got uh, his thing, his, his pitcher is flashing the Ute sign. I disagree on that.
2: Yeah, you're not going to forget this season, PK. That's,
1: yeah. That's that's too harsh. No, that's way too harsh. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you can get by on that at the pro level, but certainly not in the college level. Nobody will talk or remember this season. Yeah, they will. I mean, this is a season that Zach Moss set the rushing record. Uh, they go 8-1 and one in conference play in the regular season second time they win in a row, there's a lot to be remembered. There's a lot that went into this season. The guys from Florida coming back uh, and then the seniors who could have gone to the NFL decide, no, they're going to stay here and come back for their last season a lot of ex- – it wasn't really necessarily exciting football because, I mean, the games weren't all that exciting because they were just blitzing everybody. How about this? Aaron says, great record, missed opportunities. Is that fair, Yak? I think that's fair.
2: That's fair. Yeah, that's a fair criticism. Yeah.
1: Oh, how about this? This year will be remembered as the year the Dallas Cowboys hired Kyle Whittingham.
2: Okay, now that would be a story. <laughs>
1: Follow his father after all these years. Go back into the NFL, yeah. <laughs> Playing professional uh, bat, or uh, coaching at the pro level. I'm not sure I see that one happening at uh, his age. I mean, I certainly think he could coach professional football, but uh, I don't think he's going to do that. Ow, uh, we at least beat BYU. Come on, ow. I can call you Al, can't I? I mean, that happens just about every year, doesn't it? It certainly happens more than enough uh, for BYU's fans' sakes. Yeah, nine. And Al says, man, because somebody says, oh, yeah, John says, come on, Al. That's the one to hang your helmet on. Uh, The own that and only one win against teams with a winning record. Well, that's not true. They've had – how many teams did they beat? They were seven and five. How about Cal? Cal beats uh, Illinois yesterday. And with Garbers at quarterback in their bowl game and Cal, what did they go? Eight and zero when Garbers started or no, played the whole game because he started against the Sun Devils, but then came out and they lost that game. So when he played the whole game, they were undefeated. How about Cal? Cal's got to be thinking about a big what if as far as their season goes. Because when Garbers was quarterback, he was really good. And then we got some news. I don't know if we hit it, uh, but uh, the Washington quarterback, Eason, is out. He's going to the NFL. Yeah, he's declared his Uh, eligibility for the NFL. Yeah. So who knows what Washington's going to have. They're going to have new coaches galore. Obviously, the new head coach with Lake. And then he fires his coordinators. I don't know if he's made hires yet. uh, But they're going to have a lot of change there. So next year... And we'll obviously have months to discuss this, but and the Utes may drop off, but I don't know that necessarily will be a substantial drop off uh, as far as that goes. Oh, Matt! Major disappointment! Major disappointment! If the Utes lose this game, it's a major disappointment. And eh, that's a, that's a major harsh statement. It's I can't go major disappointment. I can go disappointment, and what I'm afraid for the Utes' sake is that this year will be remembered if they lose. It'll be remembered as uh, this is the new December. All right, coming up, 8 o'clock hour, we got the bottom of the hour. Tim McComb, Utah Jazz Studio Analyst for the Zone Store Sports Network. we be talking about this great Jazz win that they've had and the streak that they're on. Uh, talk some more Utes. What do you think? If they win... Is it a memorable season? If if they lose, is it a bitter disappointment? Stay with us, 97.5, 12.80, The Zone.